Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul in shield. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid my face. I was dismayed. For you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. For what profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praises and be silent and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Amen. And our catechism question for this morning, question number 22. Why must the Redeemer be truly human? And our answer together is that in human nature, he might on our behalf perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for the human sin, and also that he might sympathize with our weakness. Our short answer together is that in human nature, he might on our behalf perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for human sin. And our scripture is from Hebrews, Hebrews 2.17. Let's say this together as well. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Daryl. Could you come and pray for us, please? Uh, let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord, um, uh, we come together. Um, we acknowledge who you are. God, on, uh, on this trip you gave me, I get to go and see and meditate on the creation and the fall and your wrath wiping us out. But in that, we see your character again. God, we, uh, we always say, uh, we always say, oh, uh, how merciful you are. But we don't know how merciful you are. God, help us, help us glorify you. God, help our minds be be changed um, from inward to outward towards you, toward looking at um, our purpose, which is glorifying you. God, I pray you um, hear, our, hear our worship today, hear our praises of your name. God, I pray they're pleasing to you. Amen.
Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. And here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to be. King of all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above.
Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. you to stand now. Isaiah 42 says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A dimly burning wick he will not extinguish, 
He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law.
uh, Lord, as a family and a congregation here, we come before you and join all the rest of your church to glorify and honor and worship you and you alone. Father, we confess our sins to you. Father, inwardly, Lord, we just express grief for the grief we have caused you. Father, we give up our sin and we confess it to you, Father. You are the only hope of salvation. You are the only hope of reconciliation. You are the hope of resurrection. Father, we come before you and are so thankful. Lord, we lift our families and friends up to you, wherever they are and whatever they're doing. Lord, that they would turn to you if they are facing away. Father, and if they are facing you, that they would glorify you and join all your angels and all of your creation in praising your name. Father, thank you for this morning and the opportunity to come together and to praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good. All the time, God is good. So, um, August 18th or 8th, we had the the all church uh, get together, and that was a wonderful time. And then on the 15th, uh, I thought, man, I get to preach again, and and uh, and all of a sudden, boy, I just got pummeled. I just went down. I thought, and I just lost my voice. I talked to Paul, and so Jason, thank you to you for putting together a whole nother surface and. Really, I, I just read through all the notes of that. Is, I thought, wow, what a, what a beautiful time of worship and the Word. And, and then, uh, Paul, thank you for preaching last Sunday. Uh, you know, one of the things I just want to say as a pastor that it's just awesome to know that, um, that we're good and we're taken care of. Amen? And that, uh, and that um, you know, sometimes life can get so wrapped up that it's all about us, and it really isn't all about us. It's all about us together, but not about me. It's just not about me by myself. It's all about us together as a family. And and Teresa and I just want to say thank you, um, you know, for our family. Just thank you for praying and uh, and knowing full well that there are many, many others in our community and around the area that are struggling with the same thing, and we're praying other issues that are happening. And and so uh, uh, truly God is good and faithful in the midst of all of this, and we're so grateful. And we are looking at Catechism Question 22, Why Must the Redeemer Be Truly Human? I, and I just want to say that over the course of history, church history and theology, one of the things that, that we need to understand, and there's just like this need for balance, um, over, the, over the past centuries, uh, much, much has been written uh, in the evangelical circles defending the deity of Christ. That is, uh, Christ is God. And, uh, and, and, I, and I want us to understand something, that this is absolutely and has been absolutely good and necessary because many people have denied that Jesus is the Son of God incarnate or God becoming flesh. That has just been a battle that's been out there um, in the theological circles. Unfortunately, even in churches, that, that has been a battle out there that has has um, gone through the courses of time and history. But sometimes, in defending the fact that Jesus is God in, in the flesh, 
Sometimes the emphasis on his deity has led to an imbalance in our doctrine of Christ's humanity. And there's two issues here that are that come into play in 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 this uh, question: Why must the um, the question 22, um, where I left off not too long ago, seems like months now, but um, <laughs> um, what sort of redeemer is needed to bring us back to God? Folks, one of the things is we're working our way through the catechism questions. We have worked through a number of different major, major theological issues. One of them is the fact that you and I, because of sin, have a great need. And that, that great need creates a need for a redeemer. And his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? We need saved. We need rescued from ourselves. From sin. Sin in us. And the question 21 asks, what sort of redeemer is needed to bring us back to God? And the answer is, one who is truly human and also truly God. So the battle for humanity and deity has been a, an argument in the battle that's been waging war in the, in the church circles through the courses of church history. Many I have heard said, well, I believe that, um, I, I believe that, that Jesus was a good man, but not God. Or some have said, well, I believe that Jesus was God, but not man. And there's this battle that has been out there in this question. And these, these questions are important and they're imperative and they, they're progressive as we work our way through this. So 21, again, asks the question, what sort of redeemer is needed to bring us uh, back to God? One who is truly human and one who is truly God. So as we move into question 22, 22 is part one to this question, because this question then asks, why must the Redeemer be human? And it is so important for us to ask the question, why must Jesus Christ be human? And I'm just going to tell you, we don't have enough Sundays to answer this question. Can I just tell you that? We do not have enough Sundays to answer this question. But the answer that is very succinctly given to us is this, that in human nature, he might, on our behalf, perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for human sin, and also that he might sympathize with our weaknesses. I want to invite you to open your Bibles one more time to the book of Hebrews. I want to read a, a little larger portion of, of, of uh, Hebrews chapter 2, um, just starting in, it's a great chapter, and I... I, I uh, <laughs> even have to apologize for where I'm going to pick up, but I'm going to start in verse 14. Verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 2, and it says this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook in the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it was not angels that he helps, but he, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every aspect so that he might become 
a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because of uh, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Again, the whole chapter, chapter two, is an incredible chapter. But as we as we think about this, some, here's some things that I just want to highlight today. And the first is this: trapped in our own fallenness. And I just want to talk about what that means. Trapped in our own fallenness, you and I tend to want to point to, to anything that you and I can do to prove that we are not lawbreakers but law keepers. Do you get that? We want to do. We want to prove that we're okay. How many times have you defended, but I'm okay? All right? I'm okay. We tend to want to point to anything that we can do to prove that we are not lawbreakers, but law keepers. Yet the whole argument of the Bible is that, um, that if we were able to keep the law with perfection and consistency, listen to what I'm going to say, Jesus would not have had to come. If you and I can fulfill the law perfectly, then there is no need for Jesus to come in human form. Period. The sad reality is that alone, none of us is righteous. None of us is good. None of us measures up. None of us has the power whatsoever to keep the law so consistently as to achieve Acceptance by a completely holy God. It is so important for us to understand this, folks. In our need, and now that need has created the, the, the idea of a redeemer, and that redeemer now is being defined, and now we are defining the humanness side of this, of this picture. You see, we humans are so fallen we, are, we have been so fallen for so long that we actually think that we are the measure or the definition of what it means to be human. Did you catch that? In our fallenness, we actually think or we have come to believe that we are the definition of what it means to be human. We hear and make statements like, uh, to err is human, or I am only human. You know, just recently, one of the one of the uh, top-ranking uh, female sprinters was um, uh, uh, found to have marijuana in her in her bloodstream, and it was kind of like she made a great statement, but it but it it kind of makes the point: I'm human. You see what she just did? I'm human, and therefore this is what I am like. All right. In making statements like this, we unwittingly begin to define humanity in terms of sin, fallenness, and in terms of our brokenness and our incompleteness. But here's the trouble with all of the above statements when it comes to what the Scripture claims Jesus to be, that he was, in fact, fully and truly human. Do you catch where I'm going with this? If Jesus is in fact truly human, fully human, if we define humanity uh, like we have above, what do you do then with Jesus? 
What do you do with him? Could true, uh, Jesus truly be human like us? What do you do with Jesus who took upon himself our humanity, yet as the Bible tells us, without sin, or as one who does no wrong? There's a huge conflict here, a, a huge contradiction. And so we need to see in Jesus his true humanity. You see, the Bible, the Bible message from, from Genesis to Revelations is really the most amazing, miraculous message ever given. It tells us uh, uh, that it was essential that Jesus would come and that he would live in a way that none of us could ever live, have ever lived, to die the death that we deserve to die and to rise defeating sin and death. So what Jesus, what we see in Jesus' humility in his earthly life and in his ministry, and, and here's, the, here's just something that I want you to picture if you can, is what mankind was meant to be. Jesus came in human form to demonstrate what we were always ever meant to be. Without sin, without brokenness, Jesus came to show what mankind was meant to be, what Adam was meant to be, but ruined it in his disregard for God's rightful place in his life. When you go to the book of Romans chapter 5, Romans 5 teaches us that the first Adam, Adam and Eve, when Adam uh, sinned through uh, and through his, his sin of disobedience and disregard, for God, death entered the world. In other words, man's relationship with God was eternally separated, was to, eternally separated, destroyed. This position or this condition that we find ourselves in reminds us that hope is never found in our performance. Did you catch that? Folks, one of the things in the church that has been a battle in the church is this idea that if I just do enough, if I'm just good enough, if I just say the right things, all these things, that hope, your hope will be found in your performance. And I just want to say that no matter what actions, uh, it, uh, let me just say that again. This condition that we find ourselves reminds us that hope is never found in our performance, no matter what actions we are able to point to. No matter. Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to do right and that we should not try to do good. That's not what I am saying, but it is not that our hope is found in what we do. Sin is our infection. And without the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is also our demise. It is inescapable and morally debilitating and it will lead to our death and i think folks as we as we the church as we live in this world that we live in today folks the message that no one wants to hear is this that there is a, that sin leads to death that sin leads to separation from god that there is no other hope except in jesus christ and jesus christ alone that is the message that no one wants to hear today but we have a Redeemer who came in human form to become and to demonstrate what we were meant to be, 
But sin has separated us from that. So when the Bible in Romans chapter 5 it introduces the second Adam, Christ, he is the true Adam who is truly man. What Christ does in, in his humanity, that is, while he is on the earth, is, is nothing short of remarkable. And I just want to point out a couple of those things today. In his humanity, he offers God everything that we owe God. Everything. Jesus Christ offered God everything that we owed him. That is, our full allegiance, our full trust, our full obedience, our full dependency, our full surrender. Jesus Christ offered himself to God. Folks, in the beginning, when God created man, God created man to be completely dependent upon him. Jesus demonstrates that and lives that out as he offers himself completely to his father. In his humanity, in his perfect obedience to God's commands, he offers the obedience that you and I refuse to give God. And P.S., by the way, literally, in our current condition, cannot give him. Oh, folks, how many times have I said in my life growing up, today I'm going to be good. Today I'm going to be better. Today I'm going to love my wife. Today I'm not going to speed. Today I'm going to obey the law. Today I'm going to, you fill in the blank. How many times have you made statements like that? Okay, we've all made them. Jesus Christ, in his perfect obedience to God's commands, offered the obedience that you and I refuse to give God and literally in our condition cannot give him because of our fallen, sinful nature. The other thing that is amazing and is one of the cornerstones of our church as we have, have shared this, and, and, and every day of his earthly life, Jesus completely fulfills the law to love God above all else and to love his neighbor as himself. Every single day, every moment of the day, 24-7 he offered, he fulfilled the law to love God above all else and to love his neighbor as himself. Why is that important for us, folks? Because if we don't have that example, if Jesus is not our ultimate example, then who else are we to follow? Who can we follow if it's not Jesus Christ? So not only do we, we see this this humanity, this true humanity of Jesus, we seeing uh, Christ's uh, uh, perfect righteousness. It is absolutely essential, you guys, absolutely essential that we see in Christ as human. Uh, it is absolutely essential that what we see in Christ as human is perfect righteousness. Or if I could define it maybe another way, moral purity and goodness. And that he came to supply that righteousness on our behalf. All the righteousness that we will ever need is found in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who took upon himself our flesh, our likeness, and our human nature. Not only does he positively supply the righteousness that we need, 
But on the cross of Calvary, as our Savior, he died and paid the penalty that we as humans owe. We owe our very lives. Our very lives were meant to belong to God. And Christ took our place on that cross. When Christ took our place on the cross, he supplied the the sacrifice needed to satisfy God's demands for righteousness as well as God's righteous determination to punish sin. So in other words, we find, as it says in the book of of, uh, Romans, that Christ became the just and the justifier. He became both for you and I on our behalf. And to do this, folks, to do this, he had to become one of us. He had to. It's not that, well, it was just some some weird form, you know, kind of human but not human. No, he was completely human. In order to be our perfect high priest, in order to be for us the, the perfect offering, Jesus Christ had to become one of us. He became like us in every way to demonstrate Number one, what humanity was meant to be like and will one day be restored to. And here it is, folks. Here's what we're all looking forward to right here. Righteous before God. Do you look forward to that day? Okay, can I just tell you, in Christ, you already are. You are already righteous before God because of Christ's righteousness in you. Obedient to God. Folks, I don't know about you. Even in the midst of COVID, It was easy to sin. Can I just tell you that? It was easy to be selfish. It was easy to whine and to complain. It was easy to think more about myself than it was to think about God. But God came that we would be like him and one day be restored back to what it was meant to be, righteous before God, obedient to God, worshiping God in all things, and loving him fully. That is why Christ came. That is what he came to fulfill. And as our high priest, a high priest, the the one who is our, our, our go between, the one that stands between us and God as a mediator, Christ knows, Christ understands our failures. Christ understands our troubles. Christ understands our weaknesses. He knows them intimately because he experienced them in our flesh. As a human being, he understands it all. So now he can look at us with sympathy and and represent us to God with complete perfection and sinlessness. That is just incredible. That is amazing. And we just need to embrace that, folks. So what do we do? What do we do with this? There is so much that we could talk about here, but but here's what I just want to say. Abandon hope in your own righteousness. Abandon hope in your own righteousness. Abandon the delusion that somehow, that somehow you can measure up to God. Abandon it. 
Run from it. Run to the place where hope is found and throw yourself again today on the grace of Jesus Christ. He did, Jesus Christ did what you could never do so that you would be welcomed into the, heart, into the arms of a righteous God and be fully accepted even though in reality you and I are anything but righteous. It's all because of Christ. It's all because of his humanity becoming human. How can he accept you and, and, and not compromise his own righteousness? It's a valid question to ask. He can do this because Christ's righteousness has been credited to your moral account. He had to become human in order to do this. And I just want to say this this morning. That's amazing grace. Amen? That's amazing grace. Folks, that's worth living for. That's worth sacrificing to. That's worth understanding that Jesus Christ became human. And one of the things that, again, I just want to say this, Jesus Christ came so that you and I might know and understand that one day we will be like we were meant to be. And in order for us to become that and to be that, he had to take our place on the cross. He had to pay the price for our sins. He had to, to uh, do all of that. He poured into us his righteousness in exchange for our unrighteousness. He did all of that for you and I. And again, the challenge. The challenge even for me in this last couple of weeks in the form of a question, what do I do? We need to, I, we, you, we need to abandon our own righteousness. We need to abandon the delusion that somehow that you and I can measure up to God in and of our own strength and power. Because we can't. And so for this morning, folks, as we, as we just wrap this up and as we as we think about this, I, I just want to encourage us with, with this, that Jesus Christ in hum, human form paid the price, did it all for us, made righteousness, his righteousness a reality. It's been credited unto our account. And that's amazing grace. Pray with me. Father, we just want to say thank you. There's so much that we could talk about here, so much that we could say. Lord, but I, I just want to say thank you. Lord, we want to say thank you that in your full humanity, Lord, that you demonstrated, you lived the life that we were meant to live. You lived the life that we were meant to have with you. Father, you lived completely in full obedience. Father, and we are, Lord, that, 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 that we would be righteous before you, that we would be obedient to you, that we would know how to worship you in all things, and that we would know how to love you fully and completely. Father, we want to say thank you that 
in your humanness, you did all of that as our great example, as our mediator, as the one who goes between us, heaven and hell. Father, you are the one who fulfilled it all. Lord, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about why was it necessary for the Redeemer to be fully God. And both sides of the question are necessary and absolutely needed in order for your redemption to be complete and full. And we just want to say thank you. God, thank you, Lord. And as we have come to worship you today, Lord, we just continue to open up our hearts to you. Father, we want to say thank you to you. Father, we, 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 um, we acknowledge, Father, we acknowledge the example of our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ and the life that he lived here on this earth on our behalf, in our place, for us, so that we might be made right with you. We want to say thank you in Jesus' wonderful and precious name. Amen. I invite you to stand as we sing our last song this morning. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth. Well, show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave. From the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, you sent your only Son, sent your mercy down to bathe us while we wandered in our sins. Only your sacrifice could change us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, we bow down at your throne. Lord, your majesty surrounds you. You are Lord and God. No other one can come before you. You came from heaven to earth. My debt to pay 
Lord, I lift your name on high. You came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go in peace unless you're going to help carry boxes. Amen. <laughs>